If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 141 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we're going to build on ground we covered in episode 138. In that episode, we discussed four major themes that we described as the four C's of the current learning landscape. The four C's are basically areas that all learning businesses should be thinking about as they consider how best to grow and improve their offerings. After wrapping up that episode, though, we realized that there was an important fifth C that we should have included. Before we unveil the fifth C, though, we want to introduce our sponsor for the third quarter of 2018. And that sponsor is... Next Thought. Next Thought is your partner in learning management system technology, creating engaging experiences, increasing learning potential, participant satisfaction, and member retention. Empowering learning businesses like yours with the perfect combination of art, science, and technology of online learning, Next Thought helps you achieve your education goals. Next Thought goes above and beyond the standard learning management system by offering comprehensive solutions, including a modern, elegant technology platform, an evidence-based learning learning design methodology, and professional video production services. Contact kevin.stewart at nextthought.com or visit nextthought.com to learn more. As a resource for this episode, we're going to point you back to the previous episode that I already mentioned in which we discussed the first four C's. You can get there directly by going to leadinglearning.com slash episode 138. Uh, And we will, of course, provide a link to it in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at leadinglearning.com slash episode 141. So, Jeff, I think now is finally the time when we should unveil the fifth C. Yes, the time has come, and I guess we might need another drum roll here. So our focus at Leading Learning, of course, and in in the work we do at Tagoras, is on the business of learning. And it's really hard to talk about business without eventually coming around to the issue of competition. And that's what we want to discuss in this episode as the fifth C of the learning business landscape, competition. It's a significant issue for most learning businesses, and there are a lot of ways to come at competition. One, which we've already discussed in an earlier episode, is to try to make competition irrelevant. And you do that by pursuing a blue ocean strategy. So we'll be sure to link to that episode in the show notes for this episode as well. And we certainly encourage listeners to review it or to listen to it for the first time if you haven't already caught it. But For this episode, we thought we would turn to a somewhat different take on strategy and competition, and that's what we're going to draw on. And and specifically, we're looking at the five forces model developed by Harvard Business School professor Michael Porter. And most people who have really had anything to do with strategy uh, in in the last uh, three to four decades have heard of Michael Porter. He is one of the gurus of strategy, one of the people who really made strategy a formal discipline. And he published his Five Forces model back way back in 1979, but it has had significant staying power. It it still gets referred to quite often uh, by anybody who's talking about competitive strategy. And, you know, the the basic idea is that every industry is different, every field is different, 
but that the underlying drivers of profitability are the same in every one. And, and profitability means you know net revenue. So even if you're not a for-profit organization, uh, profitability still matters, and the underlying drivers are going to be the same for you or for a commercial entity in whatever field you're in. So the, the five forces that Porter describes really determine the competitive structure of an industry and its profitability. And an industry structure, together with a company or an organization's relative position within that industry, are basically the, the two drivers of that organization's profitability. So you analyze the five forces in order to help you anticipate what the shifts in the competition are going to be um, and then how the shape of the industry is going to evolve and how to find better strategic positions within the industry. And so from our standpoint, it's a fantastic tool for diagnosis. And we're very big on diagnosis as a part of strategy, really understanding your situation, really understanding what's going on. And we think for just about every learning business, uh, you really need to understand these five forces that we're going to talk about. So we'll start with the first of those five forces, and this is the threat of new entrants. So one way to come at this is to imagine that if you wanted to could you go out and start your own education business tomorrow? How would you go about it? And if you were going to go out on your own and start a learning business today, what would you do? The point is that it's just not that hard to enter this market. The barriers to entry are low for any person or organization that has access to a reasonable level of expertise in a particular field or topic, a little articulate, some go-to-webinar, and a free or low-cost learning platform. That doesn't take that much. That's taking the online route, of course, but even organizing, managing, and promoting face-to-face -face education is a lot easier than it used to be. So in general, it's easier than ever for new entrants to get into the education business, thanks in large part to technology changes. So the threat of new entrants is pretty high. And most learning businesses that we've worked with are seeing this shift. If there is any significant demand for education in the market that you serve, then you've almost certainly seen new providers enter the market over the past several years. If you represent an association or other nonprofit, you may be seeing commercial providers enter. If you are a commercial provider, you may be seeing new companies pop up. In general, there are more producers of courses, uh, seminars, events, webinars, e-learning, you name it, in just about every education market. But we'll stress that it's not just about production. Um, there are an increasing number of companies that are becoming what we've called market makers. So they're providing not just tools for creating and publishing courses, they're not just providing courses, but they're also providing a ready-made marketplace and all of the necessary tools for selling, including a doorway into corporate and institutional training departments. And this group includes companies like Udemy, for example, which has become a sort of Amazon.com of online courses. And uh, they definitely have a clear focus, not just on serving individual learners, but also companies. And all of this makes for really a, a very competitive market environment in which learning businesses really have to be nimble and they really have to define and articulate their distinctive value to prospective learners. Definitely. And, and we found that a key protection many existing learning businesses have against that threat is brand and the loyalty that brand can inspire. 
If you're an established go-to provider in your market, you definitely want to do everything you can to sustain and strengthen your brand through value, as you just mentioned, Jeff, and also through great customer uh, experience. And um, that reminds me of the interview you did with Jay Bayer, so we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Um, and so to help with these efforts, this idea of really reinforcing your brand, um, we also want to point to uh, an episode we've done on using our value ramp, and that can be a great tool for identifying and managing uh, value. So we'll point to both of those in the show notes for this episode. Now, let's move from the threat of new entrants to the bargaining power of suppliers. That's the second force, the bargaining power of suppliers. So who are the suppliers that you deal with? Now, one of the most common supplier groups that learning businesses deal with is subject matter experts or SMEs. And this is really one of the biggest shifts we're seeing and one that's not really being fully accounted for by most learning businesses. Now that technology has made it so easy for an SME to offer a webinar on her own and connect directly with members and customers via social media, what's to stop that SME from entering into direct competition with you and becoming the first threat that we just talked about, the threat of a new entrant? That's right. Experts, the very experts that many of you listeners rely on for your seminars, conferences, and e-learning content those experts now have a wealth of support for taking their content online and monetizing it. There are any number of companies now providing easy-to-use platforms with lots of educational support for helping instructors make the leap to online successfully. Jeff, you've already mentioned Udemy, um, but that's just one of many examples, and we'll be sure to link to a post that highlights many more of these types of, of companies that are out there. We know a range of instructors who are making serious money with their online offerings and are using these to fuel their offline consulting, speaking, and training businesses. So, you know, I think the critical shift here is that learning businesses really need to forge different relationships with their subject matter experts. They need to be asking and discussing with the experts what value they can add to the experts' intellectual property, what new channels they can open up or opportunities they can um, present that experts might not necessarily be able to access and leverage on their own. For learning businesses that rely on volunteers or low-paid presenters, we may also see a shift toward needing to pay to get the best or at least the highest level of combined expertise and teaching talent. And I think, too, that learning businesses can position themselves as cultivators of teaching talent in the adult learning market. And I mean, this is a real opportunity for trade and professional associations uh, who can position this kind of support for their presenters and facilitators as a, as a member or a volunteer benefit, since that's, you know, often who they're relying on, and particularly for their younger members um, who they can help to develop into uh, effective, impactful teachers, which, you know, that's, that's a valuable skill to have in today's employment market. So to the extent that you're organization is offering that as part of your value proposition, that could be pretty powerful. Now, you know, associations in, in particular can do this, but I think that's actually an opportunity that's open potentially to any learning business that's, uh, that's using uh, outside subject matter experts uh, to, to bring in to create uh, educational experiences. So now let's shift to another of the five forces, um, and specifically bargaining power of buyers. So this means your members, your customers, however you categorize your 
prospective learners. These people have more options than ever before, which gives them a lot of power to demand what they want from you, or at least uh, the right to refuse to buy anything that doesn't really hit the mark. We'd encourage you, for example, to think about your own personal learning inventory. So basically the array of resources that you go to day in and day out for your learning needs. I know that I, for example, participate in communities. I listen to podcasts. I search incessantly. I watch videos. I use apps to help me learn languages. The list goes on and on. And so I challenge you to consider a a similar exercise for yourself. All of this changes our expectations, often unconsciously, of what learning should be and, of course, what we're willing to pay for. Arguably, it really raises the bar for learning providers And as many learning businesses have experienced, because so many resources are now free, there's a lot of downward pressure on pricing. And I think there's also an interesting question in all of this about how learners effectively navigate uh, all of this. So what's our role as learning businesses in helping them navigate? You know, how do we need to approach the whole landscape of, of learning and technology? And We've talked before, for example, about the critical role of curation, and that's something that we covered in the the Four C's episode, as well as in a a whole separate episode, and we'll be sure to to link to that as well. And, you know, this is another place where some of those new entrants that we talked about in the first force um, are potential disruptors. So a company like Degreed, for example, is really focusing in on giving the learner power and then figuring out how to leverage that relationship with the learner in its own relationships serving corporate education needs. And we had a, uh, an episode with uh, uh, Kelly Palmer, the CLO of Degreed. We'll uh, be sure to link to that as well. And I think another important factor in addressing this issue of, of learner power is being really clear about determining the learners, your best position to serve, and the learners that you can really provide significant, distinctive value to. So segmentation and identifying the best buyers are more important things to do than ever. If, for example, you're serving the accounting profession, maybe your real value is in focusing on accountants who really identify as entrepreneurs. And this is what Jason Blummer has done with his Thrival Academy, for example. And um, Jeff, you had the opportunity to talk with Jason a a while back for the Learning Revolution podcast. So we'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes for this episode. So now... We've covered new entrants. Uh, We've covered the power of suppliers. We've covered the power of buyers. So three of the five forces that we're going to talk about. The fourth one is going to be the threat of substitute products or services, which is, you know, basically all about how easy it is for someone else, some other organization, some subject matter expert to create and offer the same kinds of products or services that meet the same basic needs as your educational offerings. And we've been touching on this issue to a significant extent as we've talked about the the other forces, but but I think there's an interesting additional question to be raised here, and namely, what actually is the need your educational offerings fill? Yes, this is a very important question. So, you know, for example, um, if your educational offerings are purely about access to information, then there may be any number of substitutes unless you can legitimately position yourself as having access um, to the most timely information or information that simply can't be gotten through other sources. 
many learning businesses, at least in our experience, you know, convince themselves that they are in this position, but really they aren't. You know, information just spreads too fast in today's world, so you need to be really vigilant if this is the position that you want to maintain. So another option would be around access to credit or a specific type of validation, uh, meaning, for example, a particular certification or credential that's attached to your education. And, you know, maybe that is the, the core need that your education is tied to. And that tends to be a harder positioning to establish, particularly on an, an exclusive basis. But, uh, you know, even if you're at least just one of the key sources of education related to a particular credential, it can become harder to substitute for you. A learner can't, for example, simply opt to participate in a free course on a topic if the course doesn't provide the credit that she needs. On the other hand, you know, if you're the sole source of the education and the credential, then there really is no substitute. That's, that's tough to do because the demand needs to be there and the market perception of your brand generally needs to be high. Um, but if you can achieve that, then it becomes really, really hard to, to substitute uh, for you. That's, that's definitely something to aim for. And we can't name names on this one, but we've, we've definitely seen an, increasingly, an increasing number of learning businesses move to create or reinforce this, this kind of positioning. And, and related to what you're talking about there, Jeff, is, is really this whole question of prestige. So in many cases, what the need um, that education fills is really only partly about knowledge or credit. The prestige associated with having participated in and completed the lear- com- and having completed the learning experience may be absolutely essential to what the learner is seeking. Now, again, in this case, um, there are going to be few, if really any, substitutes. As an example, many people are willing to pay to attend TED, for example, um, as much, so much so that um, they can say that they attended TED, and that's really what they're trying to get out of it, you know, at least as much as whatever learning happens there. That's true. And, you know, I, I personally paid a significant amount of money uh, not too long ago to attend the heroic public speaking graduate school that Michael and Amy Port offer. And, you know, that's partly because I think it's the best option that there is, but it's also because there's a significant amount of prestige associated with it in the speaking industry. There really is no substitute for it. So the bottom line here is how can you strengthen the positioning of your learning business so that there are few or no substitutes for what you offer? And that's going to position you well against this this fourth force uh, of substitutes uh, for, for what you're offering. So now let's turn to that fifth and uh, final force, which is rivalry among existing competitors. In many education markets, competition has gotten much more intense among the providers who are already in the market. And there's a good chance that many of you are feeling this shift. Um, From Michael Porter's perspective, there's a, a range of factors that contribute to that heightened rivalry among existing competitors. But we'll just touch on a few that we think are particularly relevant right now in the learning business arena. So first, competitors are numerous. And as we've already noted, we're seeing more providers enter most education markets for all the reasons that we've been discussing. A second is that the offerings in most education markets are, are often not really differentiated. Um, so the, the topics and the presenters can change, but um, you know, in the accounting market, for example, a CPE course is a CPE course, uh, at least in the eyes of the prospective learner. And the same is true you know, across medicine, across law, across any number of other fields. 
Another point is that brand loyalty is insignificant. As we've noted on many occasions, many learning businesses simply don't have a strong brand for either their business or their offerings. And then buyer switching costs uh, are low. Um, this is symptomatic of, of markets where the, the competition, the rival among existing um, competitors gets intense. So, you know, as we've already suggested by some of our earlier points, learners have more options than ever. And it's just usually not all that hard for them to switch, for them to jump from provider to provider for whatever they need for their education. And then finally, there's an excess uh, production capacity. So as we noted at the very beginning, barriers to entry in the, the the field of learning businesses are low, and that's causing a glut in the market. And it's leading to a, a, a sort of bloody red ocean conditions, um, which we discussed in our episode on blue ocean strategy. And so, of course, the high-level response to all of this is that learning businesses are simply going to have to be much more strategic, whether that means striving to differentiate um, and compete effectively in a crowded market or whether that means trying to make that leap to a blue ocean where you can make the competition irrelevant. But you're going to have to come up with the ways to deal with however these five forces are playing out for you. And you know, just to recap them, we talked about the threat of new entrants. We talked about the bargaining power of suppliers. We talked about the bargaining power of buyers. We talked about the threat of substitute products or services. And then finally, we talked about the rivalry among existing competitors. All are factors, all are forces that learning businesses need to reckon with. So on that note, we'll wrap up discussion of this fifth C. Hopefully you found plenty of food for thought in it, as well as some resources and insights to help you get a handle on competition in your market. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 141. And be sure also to pay a visit to leadinglearning.com slash episode 138 to listen to the episode on the four C's if you haven't already. And while you're there at the show notes, you'll see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear on Leading Learning, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. You can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We really appreciate your ratings and reviews. And those reviews and ratings also help others interested in leading learning find this podcast. And we'd also be grateful, in fact, we're just full of gratitude, if you would take a minute to visit our sponsor for this quarter, Next Thought. Salise and I put a lot of time and energy into the Leading Learning Podcast, and one of the reasons we're able to do that is because of the support of sponsors like Next Thought. So please visit nextthought.com. And please consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, or if tweeting isn't your thing, Pick another communication method of your preference and spread the good word. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.